the global co-working and conference community, we've had our fingers on the pulse of co-working since 2012, and we've connected thousands of operators, both in person and online. On the Juicy Podcast, we talk with the people making it happen day in and day out. Let's get to it. Hey, everybody. I am super excited because I have Jason Anderson, who is the president of the world's largest co-working franchise called CoWorks with us today. Hey, Jason. Hey, Liz. How's it going? Awesome. Awesome. So I'm going to ask you the first question I asked everybody. If you listen to my podcast, you would know this. The first question is always, how are you? Not your business. How are you personally? Uh, I'm doing good. I mean, it's been uh, an exciting year uh, on top of our acquisition of Office Evolution, you know, business-wise and kind of all the complexities that come with that, kind of acquiring mm-hmm. an organization and blending those two. I also kind of welcome my second daughter into the world you know, three I months know. ago. So I have a two-year-old, a three-month-old. I put my real estate broker hat back on this year and started scooping up land and sold a yeah, property. Yeah, because you, you needed more things to do. I just can't help it. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, you know, added on to myself. So I have nothing to complain about, though. All positive things. I, I like awesome. the, I like organized chaos. I work better in that, in that realm. Same. Same. I was telling somebody the other day that I had come back from vacation. I had like 1,200 emails. I had all these things lined up. And I'm like, but this is when I do my best work. Absolutely. And uh, you almost played a role in derailing my year even more. Oh, do and tell. That's, that's with your uh, your foresight program. Oh, how's <laughs> so, that going? Um, so I really looked into it. I talked to the gentleman there at U of H, Andy Hyde, spoke with Andy. Uh, and I had to put my Simon Sinek hat on and really start with why. I really want mm-hmm. to do this program, but I simply mm-hmm. don't have a strong enough why right now to do it, but it's there on the list. So, so as soon as I, I love it, as soon as I, uh, you know, come out of this kind of complexity I currently have going on, I'm planning on jumping into that. So that's, that's interesting. That's awesome. Well, I actually um, decided not to get the degree, but to get the certificate, which is also Absolutely. something you could do. Cause I was like, sure. I don't need more than this. I got what I got uh, needed to get. So I feel good about it. So I'm about to embark on my last class. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, so right off the bat, my first question for you is around the world's largest co-working franchise. I thought that was IWG, but I think I might be wrong. Sure. So so this is definitely open up for debate, right? I mean, I kind of put my debate club hat on for this. Even though I was never in debate club, I was kind of you know up for a good <laughs> debate. Um, there, there's really two different things you look at in franchising. There's direct franchising, which is what we do here in the United States. Uh, where we are the franchisor, we offer single single one-off units to individual franchisees. And then internationally, we offer master licensing agreements where mm-hmm. like our partners in the UK, India, uh, Costa Rica, Spain, they actually purchase the licensing rights from us to the brands in those countries, like through VentureX or when we're offering for Office Evolution. We have five locations in Canada. And the way that works, it's similar, but a little bit different, right? So uh, to my knowledge, uh, IWG has not opened or had many franchisees in the United States. Mm. And I've even tried tried pulling their 10 Qs and some of their financial records to try to figure out. Uh, but I believe they're selling licensing agreements internationally. Uh, I'm definitely open for debate on that. And I've spoken <laughs> to a few people at Regis and they did not know. So I, I definitely don't mean to step on anybody's toes there, but I'm going to stick with it that we're the okay. world's largest co-working franchise. Yep. That's awesome. And for those of you that don't know, VentureX recently acquired Office Evolution. So how many locations do you guys have now? So totally combined, we're right at about 140. 
34, 35 locations Mm -hmm. right now that are open. So that's not Mm -hmm. pending. That's not, you know, letters of intent signed or leases or under construction. Mm -hmm. That's actual open running and operating uh, agreements. And I'm not sure if you heard the most recent news with Office Evolution. I don't know. The founder, Mark Himmeter, uh, retired. Oh, nice. So after 20 years, so on top of president of CoWorks, I'm also the president of Office Evolution, only the second president in the company's 20-year history. So I was out there in Denver last week with the entire Office Evolution team. I had a kickoff meeting with all the franchisees yesterday. Wow. How'd it go? Good. You know, I mean, I think it's one of those things, for those of you that don't know, we acquired VentureX as well. So I stepped in right from the original founders. Uh, having made it through basic training and, you know, military on 9-11, I'm kind of mentally prepared for those environments. And, uh, you know, we just came in with the structure. I have the backing of United Franchise Group. Ray Titus as my mentor is in a bad uh, scenario. And I think we yeah. laid out we laid out some goals and plans that I think would uh, that franchisees were happy about. And I got a lot of positive feedback. Back. So for being four days in, four business days in to the 20-year founder uh, retiring, I think it's going pretty well. That's awesome. Congratulations. I love hearing about the growth of co-working and that you guys have so many locations open. I was just telling somebody the other day, you know, if I had $100 for every time somebody told me they're going to have 100 locations, you know, it's it's pretty rare to get there. So it that's that's Very, that's very epic. difficult. Very, yeah, very it difficult. is. The other thing I want to make sure I point out there is that, uh, you know, Mark Himmeter and his team over 20 years have just built a fantastic ecosystem, right? It's never, and it's not one of those scenarios where you can, I can't fill those shoes, right? It's impossible. So Mm -hmm. uh, I decided not even to try. I can just come in with the skills that I have and my know-how and, you know, take it from there. But it's, uh, you know, great ecosystem, great team of people, great franchisees, great locations. Uh, The whole thing's just positive. Yeah. We've seen a bunch of them popping up around Austin, Texas. Yeah. I'm getting ready to head down there. Any reason I get to hang out in Austin, I'm, I'm coming down. Careful. You might combust right now. It's a little warm, but I guess you're used to that. <laughs> yeah, 110 here the other day. Actual temperature, not heat index. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me know. Maybe we'll be in town at the same time. Sure. Okay. So I know one of your expansion strategies is doing a lot of acquisitions. And I know there's a bunch of people listening that are going ding, ding, ding. What does that look like? So what are minimum requirements in chart and in terms of square feet? And what are some of the things that you're looking for in some of the regions you're specifically excited about so that we can hopefully direct those people to you? So, you know, the short answer to that would be kind of anything and all the above. Uh, but <laughs> Watch out. Watch yeah, out. <laughs> to, help, to, to help really kind of put that into context, I like to really steal from two existing business models to help co-working operators kind of understand what we're looking for, right? So the first is, is we've had this idea and thought that we could recreate in co-working what Marriott and Hilton have done in hospitality, right? So underneath Marriott, there's 20 plus brands from two star to four, three star, four star, five star. Uh, and you even have similar concepts that are three stars. So in Marriott, you have the courtyard by Marriott and you mm-hmm. have residence in. Uh, they may geographically be in similar areas, but they cater to two different you know, demographics, right? Courtyard is for business travelers. 
and residence in is mostly for families. They have a kitchen in the room, right? right? So they, I think Marriott and hospitality has done a great job at coming up with similar but different product lines, right? So to make that make sense, Office Evolution was always our number one pick. We looked at VentureX as that four or five star brand and Office Evolution was that three star brand. So to put that mm-hmm. analogy again inside of Marriott, if we were Marriott, Office Evolution would be the courtyard by Marriott and VentureX would be the Marriott, right? Mm-hmm. So in that, we're looking at opportunities that are similar but different, right? So Office Evolution is typically first floor, 9,000 square feet, class B type of office space. So really in your suburban markets and communities and areas where you would expect to see a courtyard by Marriott, mm-hmm. right? And then VentureX is class A buildings, 20,000 plus square feet. Uh, you may need to take an elevator twice to get to your office space, <laughs> and which I do here, which is fine. So again, it's more like the Marriott. You're going to see VentureX is where you see the Marriott type of brand or or larger Hilton hotels with convention centers. Do you guys look at where hotels are mapped and somehow align to those? We we have looked at that. I mean, it does play out that way sometimes that it's already Mm -hmm. there, similar to how Burger King just wanted to open close to McDonald's because they bought the real estate. Um, Wendy's just did the same thing. And you see kind of clusters of restaurants and people together. So it kind of happens that way. Now, if we can do that, it's great. If not, you know, it's not a deal breaker, uh, but, but very commonly that, that happens. Yes. Yeah. When, um, before I opened my co-working space in Austin a long time ago, I, what I heard was like, if you can find a CVS, a Walgreens and a Walmart in the same area, you have hit it. Sure. So the CVS was next door to the center I was in. The Walgreens was across the street and the Walmart was across the street. So they said there was $600,000 worth of research done sure. before those places were put there. And I was like, oh, that's what I need to know. On the residential side, I tell people, if you want to kind of ensure that your property is going to probably go up in value, you look for a Whole Foods or Equinox, right? So if Whole Foods, because, yeah. you know, Whole Foods, you can't get out the store less than $100 a bag. So they've done the demographics mm-hmm. kind of on that. So yeah, I think there's a, there are a lot of rule of thumb that you can kind of look at there that aren't exact sciences, mm-hmm. uh, but they definitely help narrow things down. I love it. And then, so you're looking for now your five-star brand, your maybe two-star brand. Or something different, right? I think there's mm-hmm. also room to continue that Marriott analogy. They have a brand yeah. called the Moxie, right? So when mm-hmm. I go to Denver lots of times in Cherry Creek there, there's a hotel called Moxie where it's right in kind of a mixed-use development. There's a Whole Foods and a Hillstone. Mm-hmm. You check in at the bar, right? Mm-hmm. There's no there's no closet in the room. So it's kind of of a small version of a W hotel. It's a Mm three-star version of a W hotel. And my point with that is, is yes, we're looking for concepts that are going to be different, either in size, space, layout, or maybe service offerings, right? So I think there's a big place to create the equivalent of an Amex lounge, but in a retail center, right? I mean, I I think, you know, a membership type club, give me every Pier 1 space that, you know, was was in America and let me turn that into, you know, call it some type of a co-working cafe slash lounge Mm -hmm. that you can have in in those communities. Um, I think there's going to be large scale. I think there's a model for just building owners that we could adapt to. Okay, but Jason, I have to ask this. Like, I feel like you need to talk to Chase and every venture 
X card member needs to get a Venture X membership. So it's Capital One you're referring to. So, oh, so, so is it? Sorry. Yeah, so it's Capital One. We have we have made conversations and introductions, and and uh, we're trying there. And believe it or not, <laughs> that was a complete. Somehow they didn't know. You know what they didn't we were Google. Doing. Yeah, you're right. I mean, at least that's what they say. You know, it got down to look. We're two different things. Like Dove Dove soap and Dove chocolate is kind of what some of the the trademark attorneys uh, said there. Right. Same name but two different two different uh, business cases right but let's make lemonade out of this 100 percent. so so yeah if you know somebody else that we don't know we've reached out we would love to uh connect i with don't them. know but i have tweeted them a couple of times i will continue my tweet campaign because it, it just needs to happen and, and, and liz to backtrack on your question there so when we're looking at those brands right we are looking for something that's going to be different than what we currently have the goal for mm-hmm. us is not to like cannibalize obviously our existing brands and when you you took the maps of where VentureX, where VentureX locations were existing and Office Evolution, we overlaid that. There was very little overlap, right? There was only mm-hmm. a few locations that were within two or three miles, but some of those markets, uh, that two or three miles was very different, right? I mean, like, you know, in Austin, you can go a few miles, you know, north of campus or south, yep. or south and it's completely different type of area and demographic. So we're definitely looking for things that are different, but also can just play well within our ecosystem that would make sense. Most importantly, we think it's what consumers want, right? So if you're loyal right. to bon- Marriott, you have Bonvoy, you have your Hilton Honors, you can go everything from a three-star up to a five-star. The other thing we're looking at, you know, to give another analogy, so that's kind of our acquisition model. Underneath that, mm-hmm. instance, we look to kind of acquire brands and we take the full ownership. Uh, I also think there's a big opportunity to become the One World Alliance uh, of co-working as well. So if you're not familiar with One World, that's the airline partnerships where mm-hmm. a lot of airlines have partner together to share miles and uh, best practices and ideas mm-hmm. and incentivize consumers to do business with inside that alliance. So even if we can't work out an acquisition or some type of investment, uh, we're looking for brands that may want to be part of just a bigger alliance, right? So yeah. leveraging some resources, some infrastructure that we have, support capacities, again, to try to help incentivize consumers to do business with inside the same. Because mm-hmm. uh, really, I don't see any chance for anybody to compete uh, with the top three players without that. Uh, there's yeah. just too much money. Too much money is behind the top three players in co-working for any mom and pop. They all have. They all start with a B. Every single one of the top three players start with billion dollar, multi-billion dollar valuations. And then mm-hmm. you have co-works at number four. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And so you guys recently have started really expanding internationally. Can you tell us about that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, back to your Regis question there, I believe we do the same thing internationally that Regis is doing, which is master licensing. Uh, So it's a little bit different than franchising where we're not directly supporting their franchisees. We sell the licensing rights to our brand, our trademarks, our infrastructure, our training, and we essentially train the trainer in that country. So Mm -hmm. with that, we're looking for people that have a larger investment amount that they can acquire an entire country. So for example, in Canada, um, we sold the master license rights to one individual. He bought Canada and all 22 countries of Middle East, North Africa, MENA, right? So he owns 23 basically countries for VentureX. In Costa Rica and Honduras, we sold the master of Hilton. They own Wendy's. They own the rights to Forever 21, shopping malls, and they own Costa Rica, Honduras, uh, and Spain. And they've opened up in those countries. 
countries. In the UK, we found a partner that used to be part of the hospitality team at the Boston Consulting Group, mm. um, which you've met Tom and Andrew, super sharp. Mm-hmm. So these are all very sharp, very well-seasoned business professionals. And then they buy the rights to VentureX. They open up a flagship location and then they start training and selling franchises there and we support them. They essentially become us in that country. Hey, 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 are you ready to meet in person for some more juicy content? Then join us in London, September 28th will be our main stage day at Convene and Bishopgate. And then on the 29th, we are popping around the city and you can choose your adventure. So you'll definitely want to join us and you can find us at uk.gcuc.co. We'll see you there. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're really excited to have you guys at UK in September. And I'm excited to see your location there. Yeah, and and I may want to connect you with our Indian partners because they're planning on coming to the UK as well. Because we sold we sold the rights to all of India, and we opened up two sold out locations there. They they opened sold out. Amazing. Well, you know, we've talked before. Maybe we need a GC India. Yeah, these these guys could help you bring it there. I love it. I love it. Well, you guys are just doing amazing work. One of the things that I always tell people, you know, in regards to the future, is that you know you have to have a focus on wellness if you want to future-proof your business. So I'm curious what you guys are doing in the area of wellness these days. Sure. So a couple of different things there. We have tried, you know, working partnerships with some of the healthcare providers and, you know, even from one of the big industry partners, you know, was trying that at the time. Mm-hmm. And- Companies that offer actually offer kind of ecosystems to put it at, put that into place. We've reached out to some of the large, you know, stationary bike manufacturers. I won't call out names at yeah. times to to try to you know incentivize and do a deal with them to set up you know bike rooms and other things that we mm-hmm. have inside of that. Uh, more standard stuff. A lot of the buildings we went into did air filtration systems like during COVID, and we look for things like that. Yeah. So, so that that term to me is something that's very big, very vague. Sometimes when you just look at mm-hmm. kind of wellness, health and wellness mm-hmm. as an overarching topic, the building I'm in has a full gym used for the whole building. So we don't have to build anything on our specific floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, several of our locations have set up bike parking and incentivizing people to bring in bikes. So they've taken out space that could have been dedicated and monetized for offices to turn it into everything from nap pods to breastfeeding rooms uh, to prayer rooms, you know, based upon specific mm-hmm. religions. So we give all of our franchisees flexibility to develop nice. uh, some aspects of that into their business model. And we uh, we try to get them to do that. I think what you find though is, is no two locations are the same, right? And with the 130 locations, you know, not having a bike rack in Boulder would probably put you out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in Plano, you know, you would, you know, kind of burn alive at the 110 degree weather riding a bike. Right. Yeah, so for sure. We try to localize that health and wellness as much as possible. That's great. And I love the focus on air quality. That's so important going forward. And, you know, just having, you know, really suggesting that people really focus on natural light and plants, those two things can make such a huge difference. You know, I'm not convinced that it isn't a placebo effect with the air quality. You know, they, they install these uh, infrared lights that you mm-hmm. can't, you don't see, you don't smell anything different, but mm-hmm. I believe in the placebo effect enough that I install them at my house, right? Well, so- and- 
And I also think like if you've got a room that's like stuffy or maybe not that well ventilated, that putting in just a small standalone air cleaning system, they can do tremendous work, those little guys. And it oh. and it also helps with your hygiene theater, which is what we call it when you put things up that may or may not work, but give people a sense of security. And, and you know, we took it a step further. Like some of the buildings we're in, they actually saw, installed commercial industrial grade air filtration systems like they have in hospitals, mm-hmm. right? Right. So when I found this out, because the building I'm actually in now for this Venture X and what I used to office out of, they both had these installed. Like I said, mm-hmm. you can't see it, you can't smell it, but uh, th- there is a time, like if you sneeze, this is going to sound weird, that you can actually see the things that your sne- evaporate just the in particles. the air. particles. <laughs> And it eliminates dust, how you know it's working. So I, I had one installed at home and you just no longer have dust. It's just That's gone. amazing. Yeah. And that that should be front and center on your website as an amenity. Like that's a huge amenity that that people need to be told that you have. Sure. I, know. I mean, through COVID, we did foggers that were video recorded mm-hmm. um, where, you know, you could actually see that it was done because, mm-hmm. you know, you found through the years that, you know, people bought stickers and they actually didn't do anything or they did it mm-hmm. one time and never came back. We had did several recordings of, you know, fogging and the cleaning kind of. So we tried, right? I don't think, yeah. I, I would openly say, I don't think anybody really has nailed that yet. Mm-hmm. You know, the health and wellness aspect of flexible office space, but we're trying. We're open to suggestions. I think, you you know, Fora, who um, the office group bought in London, did a really good job mm-hmm. on health and wellness. Check them out. It's F-O-R-A. They do a really okay. good job. So I was curious how you're getting your nature and how you're doing in your health and wellness in 100 degree heat. You know, having a, a three-month-old and a two-year-old keep me pretty busy. Mm-hmm. And now pretty much on the weekends, I'm spending my weekends at the pool with her. And, and <laughs> as much as I hate, I, I, I really love cycling, biking. So whether it's mm-hmm. mountain biking, riding bikes outside, but it's just literally too hot right now. Uh, so, you know, I have to hop on hop on the Peloton. Mm-hmm. Um, I still kind of, I'm not a boot camp person, right? Having actually went to basic training, I, you know, I don't want to do tough mothers. What's that? <laughs> I went at 17, I went to the Air Force and, you know, I had to go through actual basic training. So the thought of paying somebody to scream at me like I'm back, right, back in basic, right. I don't need it. Right. So I, I much prefer, uh, uh, as funny as it sounds, a hot yoga class. I do a light workout at the gym, treadmill, uh, mm. but I would rather do anything outside than be at the gym. So yeah, same, same. Yeah. Um, you know, it's curious that I'm glad you mentioned the military because one of my questions for you was how does the, the military training and what you went through inform how you do business today? Uh, a lot. Right. And I think when you meet people that go to the military, there's kind of uh, two different aspects. I was one of the people that joined 30 days out of high school. So while I did have some fast casual and I worked at a grocery store, truly speaking, the military is like my first job. Right. So, so mm-hmm. hitting the ground, and basic training and at 17 years old um, sets a precedent kind of for everything else. And then five months after I got to my first duty station, the planes hit the towers, right? Mm. So I had to grow up really, really fast. But it kind of instilled with me this you can get through it type of process an idea of keep it the kiss method right keep it stupid yep. simple with specific things and also not being able to being scared to ask questions and never forget i was with one of my flight chiefs and it was after 9 11 and we were working on specific projects and he actually said this in a room full of people which you can't really do in most business settings he asked the question who here is the dumbest person in the room right but in the military you don't have to really worry about getting fired there's not promotion mm-hmm. like there, mm-hmm. there's you know so kind of the corporate policy 
politics. There's politics, but the mm-hmm. core of politics is gone. His reasoning for asking that, though, is we were working on planes and things that were truly life or death missions. So he felt like if you're new and you don't really understand what's going on, please raise your hand because we're going to take you to the side and you may need to work on some other project right now so the people that know what they're doing can mm-hmm. focus on getting things done. Mm-hmm. And this has always stuck with me, right? Because you may know in your own organization or company that there's people that have no clue what are going on, right? I mean, they're just there for a job. It's day to day. And there's people that are zoned in. They know it. They get it. They know what they're talking about. There's no BS there. But in a typical corporate environment, you can never ask because people aren't going to raise their hand to admit they're the dumbest person in the room. So I think as a leader, it's up to you to help bring everybody up to standards, right? Or develop systems that people are transparently kind of understanding how their role ties into the bigger picture. Um, And I think the military does a really good job at doing that, right? Because Mm -hmm. uh, I was an avionic electrical engineer and I got to see the planes that I worked on go on the missions and then watch those videos of them coming back of either a successful mission or a bad mission, right? Or we need to tweak something. You get to see these results that were kind of these life or death things. Uh, And I look at kind of every project that we take on as that, you know, one of the first things I wanted to do is come up with the top three or four priorities in Office Evolution, not 30, three. Mm -hmm. And then I want everybody on the team to understand how your role at every level ties into that. That's good. I'm a huge fan of the KISS method. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, who's the dumbest person in the room kind of thing, because to me, my favorite kind of room to be in is one where I feel like everybody's smarter than I am. hundred percent. And and I try every chance I get to, to do that. I mean, I signed up for a second master's degree at Boston University. And part of that was going to in data science, right, which I just knew nothing about. just seemed really interesting. And I spent three days at LinkedIn, uh, actually at LinkedIn's campus in Silicon Valley with data scientists. Some of these kids were 22 on a PhD. Uh, and I went to one of the courses, one of the second which was aggression in self-driving cars. I'm like, what does that even mean, right? So I was in a room with AI guys and data scientists where their life's purpose was to try to figure out how to program aggression in the self-driving cars. Meaning if you if you don't let a Tesla over as a self-driving, it will just drive to the end of the earth because you <laughs> it doesn't know. While it may not get into an accident, if it's trying to get over, it won't because it's not aggressive like a human. Yeah. Uh, and I was the dumbest person in the room in a good way, right? Yeah, so yeah. Uh, you're right. It kind of gets you out of your comfort zone. I like that experience as well. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Okay, so now back to you personally. The world wants to know. You have a lot. You are a father. You're running these businesses. You're taking care of yourself. You're taking care of your family. You have so much going on. But what's your superpower? Oh, man, my superpower. You know, I don't think it's going to be something that's going to land me, you know, in the X-Men kind Kind of role, but but I think my my unique capability is is one, like I said, being able to take things that I think other people find very complex and just breaking that down into super simple bite-sized nuggets that most people can understand. Uh, you know, really kind of being this information translator kind of in the middle, like that's kind of my term I use for IT, is taking kind of complex things and just breaking them down to their simplest form. So much so that, it, you know, I didn't, I met a guy about five or six years 
years ago who was a Lean Six Sigma black belt. And I had no idea what that was. Then he explained it to me that he his job is literally working with manufacturing companies that need to strive for perfection. I'm like, perfection? He was like, yes, there's certain industries that need to be perfect. Airlines, medical device. So I took the courses. I, I got my Lean Six Sigma green belt. Oh, wow. Just to put the context of Kaizen, this continuous improvement in place and understanding this methodology and process kind of creation. So again, that goes back to me being able to take information, dissect it, break it down to its easiest pieces, and then maybe explain that to kind of other people. Uh, and I think that kind of attributes to somewhat of the success that I've had so far in my life. Doesn't hasn't gotten me where I expect to be, but I think it's helped me along the way. Well, I think I think that your superpower is a unending hunger to learn. It's really That's... clear that you are always learning. You're always signing up for stuff. And I, I think that's so valuable and it's so good for your brain. It is, you know, and it's one of those things, and Liz, I think you're the exact same way when we talked about it, that maybe mm-hmm. just comes so natural that it doesn't seem like anything, mm-hmm. you know, but but I know the skill that I've really owned is is that that understanding of basic, simple processes and procedures and continuous improvement. And once I found out that there was really, there was a whole industry based upon it, I try to convince my wife to appreciate my need for constant improvement and and (laughs) continuous feedback at home more. She didn't buy into it. She doesn't, she doesn't ever want me to hear. It doesn't help saying I'm a lean Six Sigma green belt at home when I'm trying to convince my wife. Mm -mm. (laughs) But um, I try, I try to work it into every... (laughs) every element. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I, I, I'm so excited to see where you guys are going next. Um, I know I've personally made a bunch of introductions of friends that I think might be right for VentureX. If somebody wants to reach out and they think they have a brand that you might be interested in, what's the best way to, to, to do that? Sure. So I'm on all social media channels. You may just need to look up, put my middle initial because there's a lot of Jason Anderson. So Jason R. Anderson. There's a lot of Mm -hmm. Jason Anderson. So look up Jason R. Anderson. Or my simplest email that comes to me is jason, J-A-S-O-N, at VentureX.com. Please feel free to just reach directly out to me, connect with me on LinkedIn, a messenger, however you prefer to chat. And um, I respond to everybody, right? I mean, uh, it's always weird. You probably get it too, Liz. I mean, you know, you're, you're a big deal in the industry. And I think people are surprised, you know, when they reach out to you, you just say, hey, how's it going? How can I help? Right? And, yeah, definitely. But I say it a week later. You say it like the day you get it. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, yes, I, I zero out my inbox every day. 100% yeah, I it goes don't. down to zero. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I aspire to that kind of, but not really. So yeah, well, this has been so awesome. And I am, again, just super excited for your future. Like, I think it's so incredibly bright. I love what you guys are doing. It was so awesome having you in Seattle. And we're really looking forward to seeing more of your team in the UK. Absolutely. All right. Well, guys, that was Jason Anderson of VentureX, Office Evolution, United Franchise Group, and running the world's largest co-working franchise. Take care, y'all, and we'll see you on the next Juicy Podcast.